Well, good morning. I'm sorry if you missed a communion sheet this morning. I printed it off my computer and I think the paper must have run out and I took it off. But not to worry, <laughs> we're a bit short. My apologies about that. All right, so it's good to be back with you today. I think last time we were on Zoom. Uh, for those of you who are watching, uh, Zoom <clears throat> was a kind of a blessing to the church, wasn't it? A uh, bit, bit of a curse as well, but... Uh, uh, we were thankful to be able to share the word nevertheless during that time and now I don't know about your church but our church was really keen to get back and sing to the Lord and give praises to his name so that was really good all right today we're looking at uh, Revelation 22 16 to 17 uh, we've read the whole chapter um, but I'm just focusing on two verses in that chapter and that's Verses 16 to 17. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. So here we're talking about, primarily about Jesus and his bride, the church. And if you want to understand the whole of the scriptures, one of the great themes is Jesus and his bride, the, right from the beginning. Um, it has been said that the, the reason that God made the world is to win a bride for his son. Uh, that's one of the reasons why God made the whole creation. Another reason would be that uh, God is Father and he's uh, building and making a family for himself, a human family. Um, and so at the end of the book of Revelation, these, these two great themes of, of this husband and the bride come together. And these, these two verses are uh, describing what goes on through history as we reach that climax when this great marriage occurs at the end of time that is when the final consummation of the bride who is the church and Jesus the Son of God and so what we see in these verses is we have uh, Jesus and the angel um, testifying speaking the word coming from the throne um, and speaking uh, the word of God from the throne. So he uh, receives uh, all the words that God speaks, his commands, his promises from the throne and Jesus then with the help of angelic beings testifies to what he hears from the throne. And right in the, if I could just read the first two verses in Revelation it says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the things must, that must soon take place he made it known by sending his angel his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus even to all that he saw so in other words there's a, a hierarchy of transmission of the word from the throne so everything we hear in the church from the word of God comes from the throne of God. So at the centre of reality, at the centre of the cosmos, 
And when this, when which is translated the world in the in the in the, in the scriptures, but the word cosmos is uh, probably I mentioned this last time I preached, but it's it's everything that God has made in the seen and unseen world. And so, but uh, Jesus comes with an unseen angelic creature from that unseen world, and He's always um, uh, testifying and, and preaching and teaching us. So, we when we worship. Jesus is the centre, Christ is the centre, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God who took on flesh. But he presents to us as the human Jesus because we are his bride and through his humanity we join with him to enter into the heavenly realms through his own pure humanity. So we have this great um, action coming to us um, from the throne. And then the bride and the spirit, they speak the word too, the bride and the spirit so it's jesus and the angel and the bride and the spirit so in in conjunction with these with with <coughs> with jesus and his angel is this bride and the spirit of god so the holy spirit uh, when when we believe we are filled with the holy spirit and the spirit fills us with all that christ is and all that god is and all that the truth is as we receive it in the scriptures and from the prophetic word and that word fills us by the spirit as the bride of christ and uh, we then have a prophetic ministry to the world so if you want to understand what the world does it's uh, what the church does it goes to the world and says come and meet my husband we'll talk about that in a minute but that's the ministry of the church we're like a, we're, we're the bride uh, the, the corporate bride that tells the world i want you to meet my husband and his name's jesus come and meet him we'll talk about that in a minute all right so we have this this high but it's a hierarchy you see of the word that comes from the throne and so it's not something that's conjured up within ourselves the spirit sort of brings all this together <clears throat> and so that word is beyond uh, understanding you you'll see in the new testament in particularly in Paul's writings, occasionally he'll say things like, this is beyond understanding. Remember those in Philippians and in Ephesians? So the word we receive is not conjured up in our, in our minds. It's not a product of our thinking. That, that when we need to have something from this throne, this cosmic centre where God is on his throne. The divine word out of the out of the eternal world, if we put it that way, and that word comes to us not from not as a an outcome of the products of our minds, nor even the outcome of our experiences or anything like that, <clears throat> or our feelings, but from the throne of God. And you can't just put God into your the the product of your thinking. Your our thinking has to submit to what he gives us as a gift from the throne. So it's not, it's, it's not anything to do with our understanding uh, in the first instance, even though our understanding submits to it and our minds are changed and it's very important to emphasize that. It's beyond prag being pragmatic, just organizing everything practically to make it all work. You know, anyone can, the world can do that. The world can just organize, get lots of money together, put on a big show and everyone can get all, go ooh ah and have a, and even cry and it can be a great time but it got nothing to do with god so the church can do that just get together and get it all right practically and get everyone happy comfortable 
Um, but that's, that's, that's not where God is. This, what we're talking about in Revelation is far more profound than, than that. It's beyond that kind of pragmatism. And, uh, but, we, but the point is that God is progressing. The book of Revelation is about God is progressing the world. The entire cosmos is watching as God wins his bride for his son. And she's brought into this great ministry to share with Jesus to the world. And uh, so as the church has this enormous responsibility, incredibly, incredible privilege, uh, and that involves an incredible battle, by the way, a war. And as soon as you become a Christian, you're at war. Because everything's about destroying this marriage in the world. And that's what we're writing today, aren't we? The world destroying marriage is the key thing that's going on right through our intellectual institutions. So, uh, and we'll talk about that primarily as we go through, but um, one of the things to keep in mind is that human marriage is, um, is an important micro cosmic representation of this great marriage. So Paul talks about it in Ephesians, uh, as you well know, um, and he quotes Genesis 2, as does Jesus in the gospel, but Je Paul says, well, when, when Genesis 2 is talking like that, he's really talking about Christ and his church, which is, so the verses, you know, in the first instance is about human marriage. My son's getting married in a few weeks' time, by the way, so... Uh, but uh, when you get married, uh, you are, have a ministry in that marriage to represent this great cosmic struggle of God. And he's going to do it, and he's doing it, and he's victorious. But uh, we, we have this, this, this battle to get involved with, and this great love story, this great drama... And it's not just all fitting together nicely. Um, the other day I came across something on the internet and you know, some Christians, you know, uh, have this kind of propensity. They want to uh, have this sort of perfect idealistic family life and so they set themselves up, pick the young people when they get married and they love the Lord, there's no doubt about that. And, you know... There's these things on the internet you can watch and, you know, these families presenting themselves as this beautiful couple and, you know, uh, the kids are all sitting there. And it's, But, you know, my family's, you know, if I did that with my family, it would be a lie. Because uh, the, the, the family life marriage is a war. It's a war. That's what it is. It's, it, and there, there is, a, there is a, a, a calling to enter, um, to, to uh, defeat Satan with this human marriage in a way that fits into this cosmic story that God gives us. And not in some perfectionist kind of way where everything's going to be all okay and everyone is this idealistic sort of love that everyone has for each other. Well, that's true. We've got to love it. I mean, the world talks about love all the time, don't they? Love this, love is love, everything's love. But the world has no idea what love is. So this is love. Revelations doesn't talk about love. It's all about love. 
Because this husband, he, 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 you know, his wife is rebellious. Two out, five out of the seven churches are in deep trouble with their husband in the, in the first two or three chapters. And he's threatening to say, well, your church as a church is going to cease to exist if you don't stop that behaviour. And two of the churches, the weak ones, the poor and the smallest one and the weakest one and the poorest one, were the two churches that Christ gave commendations for. So if you, if you put that on YouTube, you know, wouldn't fit very well, would it? Does it fit your ideal way of life? No, you know, we've got, you know, look, I just want to, we, we've got things to fight for. But if you don't see this message from the throne and the great love story that God has uh, in the world, how it involves blood and the laying down of life, and it involves suffering. But ultimately, like we read in Revelation 22, there'll be a day when there'll be this husband. He'll stand there and he'll say, here's my bride. And he'll take, here she is, Father, here's my bride. And she'll bow, the church, she'll bow to the Father. And the son will bow to the Father and he'll say, come in to a new home with me forever. You are my children. So we share in the sonship of the son is through the spirit and we call him Abba Father. And we end up in the fatherhood of God forever. So this great dynamic, you can see how gender sort of works its way out of this great revelation that comes out of the heavens and it permeates through the way we are as men and women. And, uh, you know, we have to learn to shut off from the world with all of this talk that's going on about gender. Uh, resist it and say no to it for a start. But shut, we've, we've totally destroyed our ability to think as men and women. So, uh, you know, there's a lie that, uh, you know, one of the genders has been disempowered and the other one's been empowered and all that. It's all just a lie. Don't believe it. Women have always had power. It's just a different power, that's all it is. You go back to, uh, in the book of Revelation, you see how uh, fallen femininity has great power. It brutalises the world in a very uh, powerful way, but a very dark way. But we as the bride learn not to be like that. All right, so, so if you're not married, you're in the marriage. You're in the cosmic marriage. You're in the marriage with Christ and his church. So we all share in that great marriage. So we're emphasising Christ and his church and we're not saying that human marriage, if you're unmarried, you're, you know, you're, you're not part of the thing. Well, that's, that's just not true. Jesus said to the Sadducees, you know, in the end, there won't be human marriage as we know it anymore. There'll be the great marriage, really. That's what he's saying. All right, so let's briefly look at a couple of things. So um, the spirit, what does the spirit say? So the spirit, um, let's, let's, let's look at the bride first. I um, don't know why I've done it now. I've put the wrong page over, I'm sorry. No, look at Jesus first. <laughs> I, put, I put the wrong page over, I'm sorry. Jesus, uh, and, and as we said, Jesus ministers the living word. What is that living word that he speaks to us? What does he testify well, he testifies the truth 
and the grace of God his Father. That's what he does. He speaks truth and he testifies grace. And the first thing he says, he announces, um, I am the root and the descendant of David. Now that's a very important statement. Do not skip over it. And the reason why it's important is that because he's saying, I am not just any Jesus. You know, there are many Jesuses around today. I don't know if you've picked that up. In the church, there are many Jesuses. I was reading uh, to this week <clears throat> um, about a Jesus that, that uh, well, put it this way. Uh, two, two Jesuses come to mind. One, uh, I'll just talk about one. One is that some very clever theologians these days have, have, they can't believe that the Bible's actually speaking about the actual Jesus, you know, it's a construct of human community faith systems. That's how they talk, you see. And so, and then what they do is they merge that into sort of historical research and they come up with a Jesus that they like. So one of the Jesuses that, are, that is around, that is in the church, by the way, is this Jesus who, he comes, he was a peasant and he, he, he was a great leader and he he, he led a revolt against the Romans and he died because the Romans were brutal and, and you know, that, that, was, that was Jesus and he died and that was it. And he's like this quintessential man, human being, that shows us we've got to live this sort of social justice life and, you know, deal with all the oppression in the world and all that. But that's not the gospel, even though there might be a spark of truth in that. That's not the gospel at all. Uh, but this is Jesus that is the, the one who came from David. This is Jesus who was promised in the Old Testament, in the prophets, who was born of the Virgin Mary, according to the prophets, who died, who lived his life and died and uh, uh, was raised and ascended to the right hand of God, according to all the scriptures, as Paul says, and as the... Right through the New Testament affirmed. So this is this, this Jesus. So you've got to get your Jesus right. You've got to get the right... The church has to get the right husband. If we don't have the right husband, we're in an illegitimate marriage. So uh, this Jesus... How do you know this is Jesus? Because this is the Jesus, the son of David. This is one the Bible's talking about. Not, not from the imaginations of some clever people. Or not from the, the experience of some person who claims many Jesuses came up in the mid-1800s with people having visions and uh, 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 angels coming to them. and you know. But the book of Revelation warns us about all of that, about these false demonic powers presenting themselves beautifully and deceiving the world and all of that sort of thing. You just put the name Jesus on it, well, it must be Jesus, and then because I've had a good experience, well, this must be it. Well, no. This is the son of David. The son of David came and shed his blood and died. That's, that's what it's all about, and was raised from the dead. So, um, and he brings through that death of forgiveness and was raised from the dead to give us eternal hope. And this is the Son of God, as we said, who took on flesh. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, verse 13. So he's, he, Jesus, this Jesus takes the same language on as the eternal God, the Father. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So here's this great son who's become a man. This is the Jesus who was promised from the line of David, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So we need to get our, our husband right to have a good marriage as the church. And so uh, we have the book of Revelation is really about the, if we look at the book of Revelation, it's about the ascended Jesus and his ministry, as we've been saying. His, his position at the right hand of the Father on the throne with God, his Father. So he comes with a delegated authority from the Father and he rules the world. Now how does he rule the world? He rules the world by his word. That's how he rules. And it's, all of this is not seen to people on the outside of faith. They don't see it, but Jesus is doing that. And we have this great story. So in chapter 19 of Revelation, you have the story of this great husband, Jesus. And he's on his horse. And he's called the Word of God. He has a sword in his hand. And he's in robes that are dipped in blood. And behind him are this great army dressed in white linen. And that army is the church, his bride. She follows him. She doesn't dare deviate from walking behind her husband. Because he's out the front with a sword. Paving the way through great uh, evil, uh, an evil onslaught out of the heavens against God, his father's plan to bring this whole show to an end and to bring it to its climax and to bring the new creation in with the, with the great family to come at the end. So he's, he's got one mind, is to glorify his father and to obey, to obey his father's command.